You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, former Secretary of State John Kerry and former Ohio Governor John Kasich joined the Washington Post to discuss World War Zero, their partnership to mobilize citizens and address Earth's climate crisis. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Mary Jordan. Today is Earth Day. It's a day celebrated around the globe to remind people about the need to protect the beauty of the planet and its environment. And so our discussion today is about what many people think is the biggest issue that the Earth faces, climate change. And I'm delighted to welcome two guests who are very well known, former Secretary of State John Kerry. John, uh, John Kerry um, is gonna tell us about a program that he's leading and thank you for joining us, Secretary. And also welcome to former Ohio Governor John Kasich. Appreciate you being here, Governor. Thank you. You know, it's not that often I get to talk to two people that ran for president from opposing parties and are now joining forces on the same issue. So let me go first to uh, Secretary of State, uh, former Secretary of State Kerry. What are you seeing around the country? Um, you had a town hall last night. Uh, and you've you started something you call World War Zero. Well, w what I'm seeing around the country is a, a definite majority, a significant majority of Americans, maybe 68, 70 percent of Americans, who are convinced that the climate crisis is a serious challenge, a very serious challenge, and they want people to take it seriously and they want something done about it. Uh, John Kasich is one of our leaders working with uh, uh, this effort of World War Zero. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, our former Secretary of uh, Energy, and our former governor, Republican governor of New Jersey, Christy Todd Whitman. And we've all come together because we are convinced that we just, we've got to stop the division. We've got to move away from the polarization. There's no room for ideology here. And there's a linkage to coronavirus in the sense that there are people uh, who have said of the coronavirus, oh, it's a Democrat hoax, or they say of climate change, it's a, it's a Chinese hoax. And neither are a hoax. And we've seen what coronavirus has done when experts, scientists, warned of what was over the horizon, and now it's with us. But people didn't look at it when it was over the horizon. They didn't do the things that were necessary to, to respond to it. Let me, let me tell you, we're at, we've asked people uh, who are listening to send in questions, and quite a lot of them have to do with understanding the link between coronavirus and climate change. In fact, Bruce Sanders in Iowa said Pope Francis recently linked the coronavirus to climate change. Uh, Governor Kasich, do you agree that there is a link, and could you explain it? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's a link, a direct link. When I look at the 1918 flu, you know, that's what we tend to study. And then we're studying the activities of countries around the world. One thing is clear that we did not have the public health infrastructure to respond effectively to this. Um, the reason why I don't want to jump there is we don't have the evidence yet, but we have to. This is something we don't understand. This virus is very, very different. This, of course, is a black swan event. But what we know is, is that if one part of the world gets infected, it affects another part of the world. You know, they say if a, 
a butterfly flaps its wings in one part of the world, it, it creates uh, actions in a whole other part of the world. That's why it's so important, uh, the efforts that, that John Kerry made to bring the world together in a number of areas, particularly the Paris Accord. So well, you know, let me go to the secretary for a second on that. Do, do you think there is a link? Because many scientists are saying that we may see more pandemics, certainly disease, from well, busted habitats. I think I think John is correct. But I think what I think John is saying is we don't have a, a direct link that says coronavirus started because of climate change. That that's correct. We don't know that. We, we are presuming from the evidence that it came out of that animal market, live animal market in Wuhan, uh, and there's evidence to that effect. But where there is a link, absolutely definitively there is a link, is in a couple of things. Number one, pandemics will move more rapidly and more easily around the world. Disease will be carried more easily around the world as we warm and as populations are dislocated because of climate crisis. So that's one link. Here's another one, which is, to me, leaps out at us. We have only a few months ago, people warning of the danger of climate, of, excuse me, of the corona. Top scientists, top epidemiologists, Anthony Fauci, others were saying, this is coming at us. We've got to take steps. Other countries took steps, but not the United States. We delayed for about two months before really getting into this, and the result has been catastrophic. We're the lead country in the world with the number of cases. We're not testing anywhere near what others are doing. And, and so therefore, Mary, the link is when the scientists speak, listen. When the experts are telling you, here's what's over the horizon, get ready and, and be prepared, to use the Boy Scout you know, motto. And, and there's another linkage. And in this case, who's not listening? Well, I'll come to that. But but it's but on on climate, there's been 30 years or more of not listening. We've had outright denial. Denial has become almost a cultism or a religion with some, and they deny it, even though there isn't one scientific study that suggests it is not caused by human beings or significantly contributed to by human beings. That's why John Kasich is here. That's why Arnold Schwarzenegger is part of this. Christy Todd Whitman, Chuck Hagel, Republican Secretary of Defense and Senator, Bill Cohen, Republican Secretary of Defense and Senator. They're all here because they're afraid of what is, they see what's coming at us. Yeah, and they know. Let me go to the governor. Governor, can I ask Mary, you? Mary, we just, just jump in for a, a second here. You see, when you take a look at, at, at people's emotions now because of, of Corona, um, you know, it's so very difficult. But we know at some point there's going to be a vaccine. We know that. But if we get beyond the tipping point as it relates to climate, there is no vaccine. You know, if we continue down a path of ignoring this and taking steps, reasonable steps by everybody to get on top of this, we can get to the point where, you know, whether it's flooding, whether it's fires, whether it's violent storms, it's really hard to ever bring that back. And I think that Corona gives us an opportunity to say we can't ignore, as John says, the scientists. We can't ignore the, the uh, uh, you know, some of the predictions of what's to come, because if we go too far, there's no coming back. That's why. That's why I'm involved in this. And Let me ask you so something, Governor. Um, in a few minutes at the White House, uh, 
the president and the vice president are going to plant a tree on the White House lawn uh, to mark Earth Day. Um, how would you rate the Trump administration on climate change? Not high. Of course I wouldn't. I mean, they, they, you know, they walked out of the Paris Accord that I thought was a big mistake. America is the driving force behind this. And you know what's interesting is Secretary Schultz and Jim Baker, two prominent Republican statesmen, uh, they have all argued that there are things that we can do to move forward. I always love to tell the story George Schultz told me that Ronald Reagan called him in the Oval Office and said, "We, I understand they're concerned about losing the ozone. I don't know whether it's true or false, but we certainly need an insurance policy. And so the idea that we would just remove ourselves from that and not raise the flag, the moral but, flag. But Governor, can I ask you, um, when you were running in 2016, when you were running in 2016, yeah. um, you you weren't the climate change activists, you know, didn't rate you very high, and they're very interested in how you evolved. You seemed well, back, all, yeah. back then to be all, concerned about jobs. Yeah. First of all, I mean, there's always a balance on this, and this is important to strike if you're going to bring Republicans on and we're actually going to get something done. But there's actually a billboard calling me some kind of a of a, a, a person who was an alarmist down at one of our conventions. I didn't care about that. And as governor, we did a number of things. In fact, we reduced CO2 more than even what the Obama administration had proposed in their, in their, uh, in their clean energy plan. Uh, we, we took care of uh, uh, capturing methane. I mean, I don't want to get into all oh, of my- I guess people are interested in most one thing particularly- I the facts, Mary. And yeah, politics was, is nothing to me. But was there one thing between 2016 and now that really kind of convinced you to be more active and to join World War Zero and all the activists now who are really fighting? Was there something you read, something that happened? Well, it was a, it was a preponderance of evidence, but it's not like I just woke up one day. And the other uh, fact is, is that as a, a conservative, we believe that it's important to protect the planet. And somehow Republicans have some, not all, but some have moved in the direction of, oh, that's some kind of a liberal thing. That's nonsense. You know, the Lord created this planet and we have an obligation to take care of it. And to, and to be a good steward truly is conservative. And that's the message we have to tell people. And look, even if you don't buy all of this, you got to buy something because we cannot just get to the point of no return and risk future generations. So it's, it's uh, not just an it was no like one moment. I know this is a problem and I've known it for a long time. Let's take reasonable approaches to fix it. Now, some will say, no, we're not moving fast enough. Can we just first take the first few steps? Because we're not even doing much of that right now on a bipartisan basis. Another question that's coming in is, uh, and I can go to the secretary and then back to the governor, is um, you how, this is from Kevin Mulvey from California. How do you get more Republicans on board to help and make this a truly bipartisan effort? Well, Kevin, that's exactly what we're trying to do with World War Zero is reach out to people. Uh, I, I, I'm delighted that uh, former Secretary of State Jim Baker and former Secretary Schultz have both joined the fight by saying that we need to price carbon. Uh, I, I think we have to sit down and have a serious conversation. But frankly, here's the biggest thing of all. Mary asked earlier how you rate the Trump administration. It has failed miserably and not because of, of, it, of just sort of not being able to get its act together. It has consciously 
absolutely willfully chosen to fail by pulling out of the agreement, the only president in the world who has pulled out of the Paris Agreement, the only country in the world that's been pulled into opposition. I went to the conference of the parties, which is the UN negotiating session in Madrid last year. And uh, I will tell you, there are only three countries that prevented progress from taking place in the communique so that you could move to the next step with progress. Three countries, Australia, Brazil, and the United States of America for the very first time. So, you know, they've, they've, they've moved back, uh, uh, they've, they've, they've moved back uh, many of the regulations within the Environmental Protection Agency. They've made it easier to pollute. They've chosen to make it easier for coal uh, to continue and to pollute. They've made it easier for automobiles to pollute. For I mean, you just run the list. So, let me ask you, so 50 years ago today, the very first Earth Day happened, and Richard Nixon planted a tree on the White House lawn 50 years ago today. And it was also Richard Nixon who signed the Clean Water Act, you know, and that was a key bipartisan issue, uh, a piece of legislation that really protected water all over the country. Um, I'll go back to the governor, um, basic. In Ohio, you're close to the ground there. Um, I mean, the president right now must be doing things because he thinks people are supporting him. What do you see in Ohio about the support for things like the Clean Water Act, which the Trump administration is rolling back right now? Look, we have a long way to go with environmentalism among uh, my Republican brothers and sisters. I, I've seen it happen when, as governor, and it, it got to be frustrating. But here's what it really takes. Number one, for our young people, this is a great issue to latch on to. It's saving your planet, and it's one where you can have absolutely great enthusiasm and commitment. Number two, let's get the faith community to understand that we don't have a right to destroy the creation that the Lord has given us. Thirdly, I think everybody needs to understand it's up to us. And I think it's going to become increasingly difficult for a Republican to go to a town hall meeting and be a denier. I think it's going to be increasingly difficult to do it. And I would say also to the young people, you need to talk to your parents. You need to talk to your grandparents. You need to bring this to them because all the great movements in this country, whether it was ending the Vietnam War, whether it was civil rights, whether it was women's suffrage, all comes from the bottom up. So it's becoming increasingly difficult for politicians to be deniers. What? And Can you tell me why? Why is it? Why is it going to be harder to, de to deny? Why? Oh, because people are waking up to this because of the efforts of John Kerry and World War Zero and it, it, because the scientists are saying this. And now when we have Corona, we just can't look the other way. As I said, with Corona, we'll have a vaccine. With this, there is no vaccine if we don't mitigate today. Start today and get moving. And that means more renewables. It means more R&D into battery research. It means the ability to capture carbon. These are things that are not radical. These are things that are reasonable and make sense. And what my Republican colleagues have to do is not left the, the really strong demands of those who are philosophically different, scare them into realizing we have a problem. And then you've got to stand up to some of your deniers. I mean, you know, stand up and be a leader. But isn't that what we've been asking for, not just on this issue, this issue but so many issues? Be willing to make a mark for yourself, and saving this planet is a great mark to make. Mary, can I come up, if I may? Yes. Well, I want to. I want to sort of finish the answer to Kevin, who, who and and you also. You just asked how are we going to change people, particularly Republicans. 
uh, I was part of the first Earth Day. I, I gave my first public speeches when I came back from the war on Earth Day and went on radio shows and helped organize for it. And I saw what happened when we brought 20 million Americans out of their homes, all of them simultaneously all across the country saying, we don't want to live next to a toxic waste site. We don't want to drink water that makes our kids sick. We don't want to have pollution filling our skies, a river in Ohio, the Cuyahoga that burns literally. And, and so we mobilized that into a political movement. People took part in their democracy. And the next election after Earth Day, we targeted the 12 worst votes in Congress. I hate to say the word, but we had to hold them accountable. Seven of the 12 were defeated. When that happened, that's the torrent of, of legislation that began the modern environmental movement, the Clean Air Act, the Safe Drinking Water Act, Marine Mammal Protection, Coastal Zone Management, Endangered Species, and we created the Environmental Protection Agency of our country. And guess what? Richard Nixon signed it into law, never an environmentalist. That's why he planted that tree on the White House back then, because it became a voting issue. Climate has not yet been that voting issue. In 2016, when the President Trump was elected, the turnout overall was a 20-year low, 55.6%. And the youth turnout, the people who should be the most committed to being involved in this and changing it, the turnout was 19%. That doesn't cut it. So if yeah. we're going to win this battle, if we're going to win back the future, people have got to go out and vote and hold their politicians accountable. The minute some of those people in Congress begin to lose because they're not proactively dealing with the environment, that's when you're going to see a massive shift in this country. If Joe Biden is elected, he has said that he would make a new cabinet position, a person that would deal exclusively with climate change. And so since it's Earth Day, Secretary Kerry, I wonder if you're, what do you think about taking that job? I, it's the first I've heard of that I'm kind of job. It. I never, it. I, I have not heard that he was going to do that. I wasn't aware of it. I have no <laughs> thoughts about it at this point in time. In fact, I have questions about uh, the creation of a new job to do it. But look, that's not the point. The point right now is that we have a person running for president, Joe Biden, who was part of the deliberations and the leadership of the Obama administration that brought about the Paris Agreement. We have a person who is deeply committed on day one of a presidency to convene people from around the world in order to once again make the United States the innovative, creative leader uh, of this initiative because if we're not there, it simply hasn't been happening. The Obama administration with, with, with Joe Biden and others involved helped bring President Xi to the table so that China, for the first time ever, joined with a developed country, the United States, in order to lead going into Paris. There is no way to solve the problem of climate change without restoring that kind of a working relationship. And there happens to be no way to deal problems like nuclear weapons and a new arms race, cyber warfare, uh, grand, you know, transboundary disease, all of that is, is going to require... In, the event, in the event of a Biden administration, is there an issue that you would like to work on in a potential Biden administration? You asking me that? Yes. Well, one way or the other, I'm already working on this issue, obviously, and I'm, I'm working with uh, Vice President Biden, and I was very proud and happy to campaign for him in a number of states, and I'm delighted he's our nominee. I think he's the right person at the right moment. He brings 
relationships, personal relationships with leaders around the world. He knows these issues. And he's also, you know, got a lot of friends in the Republican Party. He's built up friendships over a long period of time. He knows that you don't get things done in Washington by being partisan. You get things done by building coalitions and bringing people together. I'd love to see John Kasich and a lot of other people involved in this effort because it's only by inclusivity, not exclusivity, that you will get it done. And it's going to require the greatest single effort of all of our time. It's, it's, a, it's literally a war footing will be required to bring automobile manufacturers to the table to help to accelerate the transition to electric vehicles, to deal with uh, uh, the massive uh, coordination of the global community, because we cannot even rest with the Paris Agreement. Paris is not enough now. And the, and the scientists have said to us, we only have nine years left to make the decisions and implement the policies that will avoid the worst consequences of climate change. Secretary, do, do you see the drop in, the dramatic drop in oil prices as having some kind of impact on climate change? Well, temporarily, of course it has an impact because we, for the first time ever, people in India can see the Himalayas. Uh, for the first time in many, many years, people can see in the canals of Venice, you look down and you see fish and jellyfish and so forth. I mean, of course, the, 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 we have blue skies in places that haven't had blue skies in years. But this is temporary. This is going to change. This is a, a government decision, governments, plural, decision that has stopped the economy from moving. The minute that veil is lifted, the question is, is everybody just going to go back to business as usual? Or are you going to use these huge infusions of money from governments to begin to create the really badly needed incentives to move away from fossil fuel and move to the new energy future. And, and John, I know John will agree with me. Last thing quickly, Barry. The, what people need to understand is we are not facing a choice between dealing with climate change or having an economy. That's not true. The economy of the future is a better economy than what we have today, a cleaner one, less pollution, greater national security. You don't have to send troops to some other country to fight to defend our energy sources. And it is going to provide better health uh, as well as better jobs, but better health to our nation. Uh, the largest single expense in our country in the summer for children is $55 billion a year that we spend for environmentally induced asthma that puts our children in the hospitals. We need to get common sense back into our policies. This is an exciting economic moment for us because the future is going to produce better jobs, more jobs, a lot more wealth, and, and better outcomes for health and security as a consequence. And, and Mary, Governor, right now there's a lot of talk about lost I want, jobs. I don't want to miss this, this thought. First of all, I agree with John totally on the area of, of, of clean energy and green jobs. We're also facing a black swan event. Nothing's going to go back to normal, and we need to learn from this. And we need to make sure that our systems, which are complex, they're fragile. We need to make sure that we're not in this position again. I mean, how could we be in a position where 163 of our major drugs are being made in China and India, and when we need to get them, we've got to depend on them because somebody wanted to save a buck? It's just stupid. So the movement towards green jobs is real. Secondly, uh, the one point I would make here in regard to the developed world, and a lot of people watching say, well, why should we do what we do when China and India just belches out all this, uh, uh, all this carbon? Well, to me, the developed world at some point has to warn them. 
you want to continue to do this, uh, there would be an appropriate use of tariffs. There would be a place where we would say, you're going to clean it up because we're all in this together and you don't want to clean it up and we're going to have a punishment. And that's why it's so important that this administration that walked away from these alliances, these alliances need to be reformed. They need to be strengthened because this issue of climate is one that can bring the world together, where we can stand together and not stand apart. Governor, all, people all over the country have lost their jobs, they're furloughed or laid off because of the lockdown of the virus. Um, many people, activists, um, people concerned about the climate were disappointed that more money coming out of Capitol Hill hasn't been directed towards creating jobs that have to do with clean energy. From where you sit, is there a smart way to be using some of the stimulus money coming out of Capitol Hill now to help climate? Well, look, I mean, I think one thing, I, I drive a Tesla, so I think some of the incentives that were in place need to be kept in place, and we need to look at places where we can incentivize and subsidize some of these programs. I remember when we didn't tax the internet, I was one of the people involved because they said, we don't want to kill this thing in the crib, we want it to grow. But I think we've got to be very careful of not mixing. You look at the bill that's moving out of the Congress now. It provides money to small businesses. Uh, there's money in there for hospitals, which have been beleaguered, not just now, but also beleaguered because of the opiate crisis. If you start trying to move you know, some philosophical things in there right now, I think people will not like it. And this bill is going to pass. But I think what we have to do is we've got to have a group. We've got the Problem Solvers Congress, uh, Party or Congress. What is it, the caucus in Congress? We need to think about the practical ways to move us in the right direction. In our state, we mandated the use of renewables, but believe it or not, once I left, they, they eliminated that. That's just dumb. Uh, what we should be doing is providing those incentives, but I don't think I would wrap it into these, these stimulus packages now. This is not a time to try to get your stuff in that you couldn't get in before. It'll just, I think it's a setback, is what I think. Secretary, is there something on Earth Day 2020 that you would like to see coming out of Capitol Hill? Something new, something that would help the environment? Well, I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's a, there are a host of things I'd love to see, Mary, but I don't see that happening today. Uh, obviously, they're not going to convene and make it happen. And we've seen ideological resistance to even using these billions of dollars being put into the uh, recovery package to actually move that into some of these kinds of investments. That ideology has got to be uh, shifted into this kind of investment. But I, I, I think the critical places we have to move rapidly with, with federal leadership is accelerating the move to cleaning, to decarbonizing our power grid, to decarbonizing our transportation and decarbonizing to the degree, and we're going to have to help them. I'm not suggesting this is a draconian bring the hammer down, but we need to work with our heavy industries in order to help them be able to make that transition. They're prepared to do it if they have an affordable energy source and it's a clean energy source. They're just afraid and legitimately that if you were suddenly said, oh, you're relying on renewables, that we don't have the storage necessary to guarantee that they're going to have the power they need when they need it. So this is not a simple equation, but it's manageable. The United States of America has the greatest ability of any nation I know, when we put our minds to it, to innovate, to go to the moon, to invent the internet, 
to do all kinds of things, to cure diseases, which we have done uh, to a great degree in the last 70 years. So if we apply ourselves with the historic concentration and capacity for creative solutions that our country produces, we will solve these problems. The problem is we're not even being asked to do that. We actually have administration moving in the opposite direction. We're gonna to have to wrap this up pretty soon, but I just wanna ask each of you the same question as we, as we wrap up. There's a lot of bad news lately about all kinds of things. Um, so is there, can you just point to one thing that when it comes to climate, the climate and the care of the planet on, that you see is a positive development? What, what is something, we'll go to Secretary uh, Kerry first, about something that you actually see as a positive development? Can I just mention also, Mary, that we're going to have, World War Zero is going to have uh, at, at worldwarzero.com tonight, people can go and there will be a uh, town hall. And the town hall will have Tony Goldwyn, a uh, well-known actor, et cetera, and also uh, an extraordinary individual, Alex Hunold, who is the free solo climber. Uh, amazing climber, and he knows the environment, believe me, as well as anybody. So that'll be tonight at seven o'clock, and we hope people will tune in. Uh, but yes, I, I think what has happened in the last years is an awakening within the marketplace. Well, that's what we were betting on in Paris. We knew we weren't able to hold the Earth's temperature to just two degrees centigrade rise, but we, by signaling, that 195, 96 countries all at the same time were going to move in the same direction. Guess what? That's the biggest market in the world. And all of a sudden, billions of dollars went into renewable alternatives. And today, solar energy is cheaper than coal. Solar energy is competitive with any other source of energy. Wind power energy is cheaper. And the prices have come down exponentially. So the truth is that the market, Americans and people all over the world are making personal choices, a choice like John made to buy a Tesla, a choice to have a solar array on their roof or to have their house retrofitted, to have more efficient energy. That's happening. And Americans should celebrate the power of individual choice to affect the marketplace. And many corporations are now tuned in they're not just talking about taking care of shareholders. They're talking about worrying about their stakeholders also. That is a big shift and it's very positive. Governor? I, I would say he's John exactly right. This what's called ESG, environmental, social, or governance changes being, being adopted by businesses uh, across this country. I've seen it. I've actually been, you know, worked with people who are trying to do it to be more environmentally conscious, making you know, not investing in uh, in more uh, coal plants. We see it all the time now. It is it is uh, beginning to work. It's a, such a positive development. But let me also say, for those that are out there and feel strongly, and when you run up against a denier or a skeptic, be patient. Secondly, have focus. Thirdly, rely on your commitment. We're going to get there on this. It's not about, it's not will we. The matter is, when we will get there and we're going to get there and to me this virus gives us an opportunity to say as john said earlier don't ignore science don't ignore the facts don't put your head in the sand and if you run into a denier that is just not going to change move on to the next person there's a lot of fish in the ocean that we have to convert uh, in order to make this go forward 
Uh, I hope we can do this next year and see if we've made any progress. And we should do it all the time and hold people accountable. But I am optimistic about the future here. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but we thank you. Uh, and your organization, again, is called World War Zero, which I'm told is because you wanted unlikely allies to unite, as the country did in World War II, to defeat an enemy. Um, I'm grateful to both of you. Thank you very much, Secretary John Kerry and Governor, uh, former okay. Governor of Ohio, John Kasich. Really enjoyed the discussion today. You did today. a great job. You did a great job. You're a tough taskmaster. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. You did great. Thank you so much. And I want to tell our listeners that please go to WashingtonPostLive.com. These discussions are going to keep coming. And tomorrow, Bob Costa is going to be back. He's going to have the mayor from Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, and the mayor from San Francisco, uh, London Breed. And Friday, we have actress Jennifer Gardner and Mark Shriver from Save the Children. Please go to WashingtonPostLive.com. You'll get all the times and information. And a big thank you to Secretary Kerry and former Governor John Kasich. Happy Earth Day. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.